Good morning. Today's first lesson comes from the story of Jesus' baptism by his cousin John. At a time of political corruption and religious malaise, John has been prophesying in the wilderness, urging the people to repent of their sin and be baptized. Hear now the word of scripture as it comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. In the 15th year of Emperor Tiberius, when Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee and Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, son of Elizabeth and Zechariah in the wilderness. John went into the region around the Jordan, proclaiming the baptism of repentance of sin, as it is written in the book of Isaiah. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill made low, and the crooked shall be made straight and rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John said to the crowd that came to be baptized, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. The crowd asked him, well, What shall we do? And he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came and said, What shall we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. And soldiers asked, And what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations. As the people were filled with hope and wondered if John might be the Messiah, he said, I baptized you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff will be, he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed good news to the people. Now, when all the people were baptized, and Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form, like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
to leave this on for the sake of safety, but I hope everyone is able to hear. Our second lesson is another story of baptism. This time, the baptism of the crowds by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Listen to the word of God as it comes to us in Acts chapter 2. Then Peter said to the crowds, Listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you. This man you crucified. But God raised him up, having freed him from death because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured this out that you may both see and hear. Now when they heard this, the crowds were cut to the heart and said, what should we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls. And Peter testified, saying, save yourselves from this corrupt and crooked generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized that day, about 3,000 people. And awe, awe came upon everyone. And all who believed came together. They would sell their possessions and share the proceeds to help people in need. They spent time together in the temple. They broke bread together at home with glad and generous hearts. They kept praising God and sharing in the grace, the love of all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? O oh Lord, may it be your spirit that comes again with us still, that opens our hearts, that revives our souls, that sends us out changed, transformed, that we might be your body here on earth. And may all God's people say, Amen. It is, for many of us, a season of New Year's resolutions. As one year ends and the new one begins, we rehearse the ups and downs of the last 12 months. We savor the joys again. We revisit the fears. We remember the wild ride of COVID and political unrest and more. 
It may feel different this year than it usually does. Many people have told me that time feels nonlinear, and it's hard even to remember what happened yesterday, let alone a year ago. But I urge us still to take a moment right now to take a deep breath and ponder where God has been in our lives in this last 12 months. You may close your eyes if you choose to or not, but do take a deep breath. And I have four questions with time between. What was a beautiful moment of joy for you? What was a beautiful moment of joy for you? When did you feel most fearful and how did you get through? When did you feel most fearful and how did you get through? What are you most proud of in your faithfulness? What are you most proud of in your own faithfulness? And what do you regret and wish you'd done differently? What do you regret and wish you'd done differently? Thank you all for taking time to ponder. For many people outside of faith, this is an important psychological exercise. But it is for us also an exercise of faith, an honest reckoning of failure and success in our own desire to be faithful a grateful remembrance of the Spirit's presence in the midst of our joys and sorrows. And maybe most of all, a starting point. A starting point for us to imagine what it means to be faithful in the year ahead. To have 
real value and meaning, new beginnings, often require an honest review of the past. This is affirmed not only in courtrooms or 12-step programs or counseling. It's affirmed in scripture as well. Today's lessons are just two examples of this. As the crowds come to hear John the Baptist in the wilderness, they don't hear a happy, clappy, forget the past, everything's going to be okay message. No. His first words to them are, you brood of vipers, <laughs> who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Just because Abraham is your ancestor doesn't make you exempt. If God wanted to, God could make these stones into children of Abraham, maybe better ones than you are. <laughs> How winsome. <laughs> But John knew that denial is not our friend. Denial is not our friend long before he heard Jesus say, the truth shall set you free. Which is why, instead of denying the crowd's failure to be faithful, he names it. And the crowds get it. They don't deny their failure. Instead, they ask, what then should we do? John tells them, whoever has two coats or extra food must share with anyone in need. When the tax collectors reviled for their corruption ask the same, John says to them, collect only what you're assigned. Don't pocket any more. When the soldiers, tools of King Herod, ask, he tells them not to use their power for extortion. This is what John the Baptist knew and what the crowds soon understood. Faithfulness isn't a matter of belonging to the right religion. It's not about believing the right things or going through the motions of religious rites or even tithes and offerings. Faithfulness is action in our daily lives. Faithfulness is action in our daily lives. What God wants from us is generosity and justice, ethics and fairness, kindness and compassion. What God wants from us is for us to become more and more like Jesus, God's beloved child, more and more like Jesus with whom God is so well pleased. Which, which is exactly the same message in our second lesson from the book of Acts. After Jesus' death and resurrection, when the Holy Spirit came upon his followers at Pentecost, Peter became the new John the Baptist, calling the crowds to repentance, naming the failures of faith, calling out their complicity, and how do the crowds respond? Literally, exactly the same way the crowds responded to John. They were cut to the heart and asked, what should we do?
And Peter calls them to repent and be baptized in Christ. He calls them to embrace their forgiveness and the promises of God. Promises not just for the children of Abraham, but for every single person in the world. He urges them to leave behind the crooked generation and claim the freedom, the life, the hope that they are given through the Holy Spirit right there right then. And it is then that they begin to live their new life, life filled with awe instead of cynicism, life shaped by generosity to everyone in need, life spent worshiping together in the temple, life shared breaking bread together in their homes, life given to praising God and growing in love and grace. So what does it mean for us? Today, as the new year begins, we remember and celebrate the Lord Jesus' baptism. And it's also appropriate for us to renew our own baptismal vows, to choose again how we will live, to ask again, what shall we do? And today, the day we hear the report of the discernment task force, today it is all the more fitting as we, as a congregation, ask that question together. What is the Lord asking of us as a church? The answers may not be easy. God's will for our congregation requires us to assess where we've fallen short and what we're called to change. We may be called to difficult things to commit to the world in need, the environment, economic equity, racial justice, our neighbor on the street. We may be called to deeper commitment to our own spiritual growth, to worship together with more passion, more presence, to live together again in awe instead of cynicism. We may be called to fellowship with one another, whether in person or online, God help us, as we grow together in grace and love. We can't assume that we know already what God wants. It will take time. It will take prayer. It will take truth, but we can know this. God still meets us here at this time, in this moment, in this place, and offers us new life again. New life as individuals who may be weary and heavy laden New life as a congregation that's been slogging through the wilderness of COVID and change. New life for the world that God loves. 
That is the promise of this day. Through the love God offers us in Jesus Christ our Lord.